Welcome to the Show Up Fitness Podcast, where great personal trainers are made. We are changing the fitness industry one qualified trainer at a time with our in-person and online personal training certification. If you want to become an elite personal trainer, head on over to showupfitness.com. Also, make sure to check out my book, How to Become a Successful Personal Trainer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Have a great day and keep showing up. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to the Show Up Fitness Podcast. Today is episode number 20, Bente en Español. We are working on getting our certification in Spanish with our instructor, Jorge, from Ecuador. We are buddies. I used to teach him at NPTI about 10 years ago. He came out for the Luke Worthington Seminar, and we're going through how to create the best personal training certification, and we need to be in more languages. So we're really excited to get that going. So if you know anyone who wants to become a trainer and their primary language is Espanol, we can help you. Today's podcast, we're going to get into the basics, owning the planes of motion and also orientation. We recently had a trainer at Equinox. Tier X went through our CSCS prep, passed it, super excited to get out there and start his strength and conditioning journey. But one of the things that we were discussing is how important it is to know the basics. I've talked to strength coaches who've taken the CSCS and they missed it by a couple points. And then when we start going through the basics, they missed simple things like planes of motion. So you could have missed it by two points by missing something as simple as what plane of motion is a chin up in? Or what type of exercise is a squat? Is it closed or open? The basic stuff is what's going to help you pass these. So today we're going to get into, on this mini podcast, just really breaking down planes of motion. But before we get into the three planes, we have to be really, really great with our orientation. So anterior, what does that mean? Front side. We have an anterior deltoid, the front side of the deltoid muscle. Posterior is backside. We have the posterior delta, which is on the posterior side of the body. We have medial, the vastus medialis. It's the inner quad muscle, also referred to as the teardrop. We have the vastus lateralis, which is on the lateral side. Medial inside, lateral outside. Superior means above. Inferior means below. The supraspinatus is one of the four rotator cuff muscles, and it's superior. The infraspinatus is the second of the four, and it's inferior. It's below the supraspinatus. Proximal means closest to the point of origin. I want you to put your hand on your chest, yours, not the person next to you. You don't want to get slapped. That is your pectoralis major. The bone that you feel in the middle or your chest bone is the proximal aspect of the pectoralis major. That's your sternum. When you go away, that's referred to as distal. The pectoralis major inserts into the intertubercle groove of the humerus, basically your armpit. Now let's take a look at common actions. When I concentrically accelerate, that means I'm shortening the muscle. That's typically when we want to breathe out. When you push away from the ground, that's a push-up, that's concentrically accelerating humeral horizontal adduction. We'll get there in a second. So the basic actions that we probably heard of reflection when I do a bicep curl. I'm accelerating my bicep brachii by overcoming gravity concentrically. When the weight comes back down towards my thigh, that's eccentric or the negative. When I do a tricep extension with a pronated grip, my hands are pushing the weight down towards my thigh, the anterior portion of my thigh, and my elbow is extending. I've increased the angle at the joint. 
when I decrease the angle at the joint, that's called flexion. When I abduct, that's taking away. Abduction is to take away. Adduction is to add in. So think of a jumping jack. When my arm goes away from the body, that's abduction. When it comes back, that's adduction. The same action is happening on my lower half. When my femur goes away during the jumping jack, that's abduction. When it comes back, that's adduction. If I stand on one leg and lift my leg up, I've flexed my femur. When I go into the gym and I do leg curls, leg curls are flexing the knee joint, which is your hamstrings. Knee extensions are going away, working my quads. And then we have rotation. When I rotate away from the center of the body, that's external or lateral rotation. When I rotate towards the center of the body, that's medial or internal rotation. They're used interchangeably. You've probably heard of pronation distortion syndrome. All you NASM and ACE folk, get your panties and jockstrap in a bundle over that one, thinking you're going to die if you have it. But at the hip, you have internal rotation. At the knee, you have adduction. At the ankle, you have eversion. There's a few actions that take place at the ankle. We can go on our toes, which is called plantar flexion. You're planting your foot and coming up. When you come down, that's dorsiflexion. When you lift your toes up into the air, you are focusing on the posterior side or the dorsal side. Think of a dorsal fin and your toes are coming up. That's dorsiflexion. When you sprain your ankle, you're going to invert it. Part of pronation distortion or knee valgus, the ankle is everting. On the inner side of the ankle, that's referred to as your medial malleolus and that's part of your tibia. On the outside, you have the lateral malleolus, which is part of the fibula. The tibia is larger and medially. The fibula is smaller and laterally. When my lateral malleolus touches the side of the ground, that's inversion. Eversion is the opposite. And then we have external rotation, which is pointing your toes out, and then medial rotation, which is pointing your toes in. Additionally, we have horizontal adduction, which is seen when you do a chest fly and horizontal abduction, which is seen during a reverse fly. A few other terms you may see or hear would be circumduction, which is rotating around a joint, like doing arm circles. Then we have contralateral, which is opposite sides of the body. You can see my right arm going forward during a bird dog, my left leg going back, that's contralateral. Same side of the body is referred to as ipsilateral, and that would be like doing a jumping jack. My right arm and leg are abducting. So let's get into the planes of motion. We have sagittal, which is defined as an imaginary line bisecting the body into right and left halves, allowing for flexion and extension. That is the definition of sagittal plane of motion. What the hell does that mean? I like to think of the movie Star Wars, and there's a scene when Han and Chewie, they're in the garbage compactor thing, and it's crushing them. Imagine yourself in that scenario, and you're looking straight ahead. On your right side, a wall is about to crush you, as is your left side. When the wall touches your right shoulder and your left shoulder, probably the, the lateral deltoid is what you'd be touching, you cannot move. The only actions that you can do would be flexion and extension. That would be sagittal plane of motion. So you could walk forward, you could run, you can sprint. Anything you can do in that plane of motion is sagittal. Some common exercises would be bicep curls, tricep extensions, chin-ups, lunging, leg extensions, leg curls, leg press, hip thrusting. These are all sagittal exercises. We are sagittal creatures. Most of the exercises that we perform 
are in the sagittal plane. Some additional exercises would be front raises, would be monster walks where you're going forward with a band on your knees because you're flexing the femur, any type of vertical or broad jump, sitting down, crunches, planks, calf raises, deadlifts, step-ups, squats, and my favorite, humping the air or showing some of your belt buckle. That is a sagittal plane of motion exercise. And then we have frontal, which is also referred to as coronal. And that's an imaginary line bisecting the body into anterior and posterior halves. So imagine yourself back in that track compactor thingy, and now your face is being crushed as yours is your tushy. So the only movement that could take place would be in the frontal plane of motion. And that would be sliding to the side, band walks, lateral raises, military press, pull-ups or lat pull-downs, side shuffling without the rotation, so just your legs going back and forth, band walks. And then my favorite, snow angels, those would be in the frontal plane of motion. And then we're going to have the last plane, which is your transverse, an imaginary line bisecting the body into superior and inferior halves. The reason I'm telling you the definitions, because you will see this on the CSCS, NASM, NSCA, ACSM, any textbook certification will give you the exact definition. You need to know what the name is of the plane and then at least 10 exercises where they could quiz you. So transverse would be seen when you do a chest fly or reverse fly, any type of external or internal rotation, those common exercises for the rotator cuff, you're pulling a band away from the body and then bringing it back in internally. And we will also have multiplanar exercises where you're gonna have more than one plane of motion. And that can be seen doing a lunge with a lateral raise. That would be sagittal and frontal. An Arnold press, that's going to be all planes of motion because you have rotation horizontally. We're going to be finishing in the frontal plane with abduction, and then we begin in the sagittal plane with elbow extension. A bench press and a push-up would be horizontal adduction, which is transverse, and then also elbow extension, which will be sagittal. A common question you would see would be which plane of motion is a push-up in? And that's going to be transverse and sagittal. If they were to have transverse, sagittal, or as a last answer, transverse and sagittal, the correct answer would be the latter because it is both of them. You may be thinking right now, why in a rat's ass should I be learning these planes of motion? No one talks about them in the gym. You may be correct. You're not going to have Joe over here doing bicep curls, cranking them out, sagittal plane of motion, look how giant my biceps are. No, but in the medical community, amongst physical therapists, chiropractors, doctors, and nurses, this is the terminology that they use on a daily basis. So if we wanna be respected as a fitness professional, you need to be able to have conversations with these medical professionals. And if you're talking to a doctor or a therapist and they say right limited ER external rotation of X, Y, and Z, and you go, what the hell is external rotation? You just lost all credibility with that medical professional, so why in the hell would they refer you any clients? We need to be able to speak the language of movement to have uniformity across the medical professions. We are medical professionals, and if you think of yourself as a personal trainer, more like an influencer, you are the person who's giving us a bad rep. So level yourself up. I really like the story of Eric Cressy, who has one of the top three internships in the world. 
Eric has one. Mike Boyle has one. Show Up Fitness has one. I'm a little biased. Ours is the best. But someone asked during a seminar that he was giving, and they said, that was really great information, but could you dummy it down? And Eric said, that's exactly what I'm not going to do. We have a standard, and the bar is so easy to get in to become a trainer. We need to raise that bar. Think about it. 90% of textbook trainers quit within the first year. It's because they don't know this stuff. They don't understand the fundamentals of movement, kinesiology, and you're not going out there and communicating and networking with medical professionals. And so we get a bad rep because of social media. And you see all these influencers posting TNA and doing stupid ass exercises and then people hurting themselves, going to a doctor or a therapist and they say, I was doing A, B, C, and D. They show a video or the credentials of that individual. They have all these acronyms after their name. I'm a personal trainer with my CES, ATCC, all this bullshit. And they don't look like a professional. And so the medical professional rolls their eyes and goes, oh yeah, trainers are a bunch of idiots. We are changing that one qualified show up fitness CPT at a time. I love it when I hear Travis or Josh, Katie, an instructor or a trainer at show up fitness, when they communicate with a therapist and they go, are you going to med school? How do you know all this stuff? You're not your average trainer because people think of an average trainer as a nincompoop. If we want to change the way the industry is looked at, you have the responsibility and accountability to level yourself up. So get into anatomy books. Get into really understanding this stuff, knowing that your client doesn't give a rat's ass. But your confidence in the way that you carry yourself, that's what's going to get people to sign up with you. When you come to our show up in this gym in Santa Monica, you don't see a bunch of pictures of Arnold or a bunch of flashy stuff in here. You have medical photos on the wall. We have anatomy injuries of the hip over here. I'm looking at another one over here, looking at muscles of the knee. We have breathing mechanics. So when you come in here, you're thinking, interesting, this, is this a gym or is this a medical clinic? And so automatically we get respect from that individual. And we sit the person down, we ask great questions. What do you want? We look at your medical history, we eliminate any red flags. And if we do need to refer you out because we don't feel comfortable working with you, or you have some contraindications for movement to be a coronary artery disease or whatever it may be, we refer you out to a doctor, a therapist, a registered dietitian. The industry is in desperate need of exactly this, but we're too busy trying to get the next textbook certification to show off to the next trainer on why we're better. Take a step back. Look at what everyone is doing. They're getting the next textbook certification. And if you do that, the likelihood of you turning your passion for fitness into a career is very, very, very small. So when you look at the industry, which is quote unquote saturated, you're right, it is. It's saturated with a bunch of bullshit trainers. If you want to be qualified, double down on learning what's the most challenging stuff. Your 17 muscles around the shoulder, 20 of the lower body, understand movement patterns and competency, overload principle, size principle, said principle. The principles are what separates you from the average trainer because that shit is hard and you need to be able to teach it to other people to really understand it. And once you do, you are in a blue sea of awesomeness because there's no competition. I would not want to be in any other profession right now, September 1st, 2023, than being a fitness professional. 
because everyone else is focusing on influencers, but you are a fitness professional. Level yourself up, get in your story, let people know that you're taking the initiative to become a qualified, certified show up fitness personal trainer. Alrighty, so now you are an expert with planes of motion and basic orientation. If you cannot get a refund for your ACE, NSCA, CPT, ACSM, CPT, NASM, ISSA within 30 days, then that's what you need to know for those exams. If you want to become a qualified show up in a CPT, you're going to need to be able to articulate that in front of a coach and design a program on the fly. We just got a great message the other day from Orlando. He's in Arizona. He just got a $3 bump in his hourly rates because he has a show up fitness CPT. We are recognized at Equinox, Lifetime, Bay Club, EOS. If you want to level yourself up, everyone else is getting NASM, ACE, ISSA. Qualified coaches get your show up fitness CPT. And if you meet someone who hasn't heard of it, reach out to me, the belt buckle trainer. I will get that manager on the phone. Let them know who we know and also who's on our board of education. And every single time that person goes, oh, wow, I wasn't aware that the industry had stuff like this. So you're telling me these trainers are going to know how to program right on the fly. They're going to be able to regress and progress and not hurt anyone. And they're selling at a 75% rate. Holy moly, I want them on our team. And guess what? Then they start accepting the Show Up Fitness CPT. So that's what Show Up Fitness is doing. We appreciate the support and we depend on you spreading the word, getting into your social media, going on YouTube and doing a review. I went through Show Up Fitness. I got this other certification. Holy shit, Show Up Fitness is 10 times better. People need to get in front of us because the number one pushback that I get is I came across you too late. I got my NASM or ACE six months ago and I've been reading this terrible textbook and I'm going nowhere. And then I came across you guys on YouTube. So if you are getting in your story and if you're talking to coworkers and aspiring trainers and telling them you can get a textbook certification, but it's going to do absolutely nothing for you. If you go through show up fitness, you're actually going to learn how to train and they're going to help you get hired at spots. One other cool story before we get into the question of the day. I had one of our show up in a CPTs, number 104, Alex. She just tested and passed, and she told me she wanted to go to Equinox Beverly Hills. I said, awesome. I reached out to the district manager and said, hey, we have a show up in a CPT. We'd love to get hired there. She said, send me your resume. We're going to get her in right now. So they get to skip the whole process. It's like there's a giant line. You go to number one. And because she went through Show Up Fitness, I guarantee you, probably episode 24 or 25, I'm going to be talking about her getting hired because she showed up. Today's question comes from our buddy up in the Bay Area, T-Lo. I asked him how to properly pronounce his name. He's like, it's like J-Lo, but with a T. So T-Lo, him and I were having a good little banter back and forth. He shared some stuff. We've helped him throughout the years. I love these stories because... There's a lot of people on the sidelines that we haven't met. Maybe you haven't gone through the show up in the CPT or been part of the live classes just because you're training a lot or maybe you have some financial constraints. Whatever the scenario is, I love these conversations with trainers because they come back and say, this is what I needed. You helped me do A, B, C, and D. And we didn't hear it before. So it's just more affirmations that we're going down the right track, helping trainers turn their passion for fitness into a career. But there's going to be roadblocks. So here's the question from Tilo saying, I'd love to address how to balance a career with little kids. I have a two and five-year-old. Additionally, I find that as I grow my clientele, it becomes harder to fill the remaining hours in the day and often in the middle of the day. 
These are currently my biggest business-related hurdles. So the first part of this question is how do you deal the business with the family? It's hard. Life's hard. People want this perfect scenario where there's absolute balance across the board and everyone's happy, but it never happens that way. There's going to be compromise. Now, it's a U-shaped curve. I'm not talking about working 90 hours a week where you never see your family, but I'm also not talking about working one or two hours a day and you're with your family the whole time. Sometimes you may need to work more. Sometimes you need to work less. It depends on you. But you are able to create a sustainable schedule by setting down boundaries. I had a great conversation at the Luke Worthington seminar with our boy Joe up in Sacramento. And he said, Chris, I agree with everything you said in your book, but I want to take one thing that you said one step further. And it was referencing what Andy Galpin said. The answer is always yes. He said, yes, but... Make sure it's within your schedule because if you're training at 5 a.m. and then 8 a.m. and then 11 a.m., 2 p.m., 4 p.m., 7 p.m., 9 p.m., you may have 8 to 10 sessions, but you're completely wiped and you're going to burn out. So find your perfect schedule, put it down, and be present during that time. And so if you want a 5 a.m., wake your ass up at 4 a.m., get to the gym, and be going through content development. Be thinking, be reading, be reaching out to people through social media. And so these are all things that you should be doing, focusing on that perfect schedule. There are going to be nights when you're not with your family because we train when our clients don't work, 5 a.m. to 10. Sometimes it's 3 to 7. And so maybe on a Tuesday and Thursday, you block off dinner with the family. That's your commitment to family time. The weekends, Saturday past 12 and all day Sunday, rarely your clients are training. So those are another two days. That's four to the seven days. There has to be compromise if you want to turn this into a successful career. So set some realistic boundaries. And during those gaps, I would challenge you to become very, very effective with your social media use. If you're anti-social media, then you got to get into pound the pavement and go and knock on doors and network with medical professionals, therapists, doctors, and so forth. I find that it's a happy medium of both worlds. Get out there and network in person, but use that time during the day where you can do reach outs. Because you need to grow your social media where ideally 30% of your revenue is coming in from online in some shape or form. So we had one of our trainers out with COVID last week. And he's like, Chris, it's hard when you miss a whole week of work. I know. I've been there. I've been doing this for 20 years. We are one of the few professions where you do not get paid if you do not work. We're trying to change that within the industry, but you can take this opportunity to really develop your online presence. So if you had a stream of revenue that's bringing in one, two, three thousand $3,000 per month, if you were sick or you went on vacation, that stream is still generating revenue. I challenge you to have 60% of your revenue coming from one source, one-on-one training, 30% coming from online referral bonuses, getting involved with your network of medical professionals, and by offering nutritional coaching. So if you have 10 clients and all your clients are paying $100 per month to get access to nutrition coaching with your team registered dietitian, you have one call per week, your RD comes on once per month, you pay her 200 bucks. You just made $800. That's an extra 10 grand per year. That could be one small stream of revenue, but what if you charge $200? What if you charge $250? You could be making at least $1,500 extra per month by offering nutritional services. You're not practicing in the capacity of a dietitian. 
you're educating your clients on what macros are, going through the body mass equation like we have at Show Up Fitness, and then once a month they get to work with an RD. That's not being done right now. People are trying to coach up macros and keep it as simple as possible doing these systems that don't work. Because if these systems did work, we would see a decrease in obesity and metabolic disease. But we're not. They're projecting by 2030, we're going to be a bunch of fat asses. Right now we're fat, but we're going to be even bigger. We're going to be a, a whole planet of fat asses. We can't have that. We are killing our kids. We're killing the environment. This is not funny. We need to take responsibility. We need to educate ourselves and help our clients with exercise and nutrition, but bring on the right professionals, registered dietitians. I saw a great tweet the other day from someone saying that trainers should be talking about fitness and nutrition. And a bunch of people got their panties and jock straps in a bundle saying, that's exactly what you shouldn't be doing, blah, blah, blah. It's like, shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Listen up. You can do it in a way where you generate revenue with the professional. So then it's you're killing two birds with one stone, and that's what we teach you at Show Up Fitness. So Tilo, hopefully this helped, buddy. If you have any other questions, shoot me a DM. And for everyone else, thank you for listening to episode number 20. We're working on getting those ratings up to 50. We want to get into the top five of podcasts. We are already over 4,000 downloads in 20 episodes. Can't wait to get 10,000 and continually helping trainers turn their passion for fitness into a career. Most importantly, y'all, keep showing up. And remember, my biceps are bigger than yours. Ha, 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 ha.